we're back to our, to our series on uh, the Lord's Prayer. Actually, the, the series is Powerful Prayers of the Bible. The mini-series is the Lord's Prayer. We've been here for a few weeks. Here's an article right out of the Dallas area from D Magazine back in 2012. I'll just read this for you. Um, has something to do with what we're going to talk about. The title of the article is The Most Amazing Bowling Story Ever. Anybody bowled before? Plenty of us. Anybody ever bowl a 300? No. Not here. On any given night at a bowling alley in America, you might find someone who has bowled a 300, a perfect game. A good bowler on a hot streak can roll 12 consecutive strikes. For a competitive bowler, however, the Holy Grail night is a perfect series. Three consecutive perfect games. A 900. In the history of bowling, yeah. There have been only 21 perfect series. Hmm. Bill Fung was three rolls away from just that. Perfection. On a January 18, 2010 league night at the Plano Super Bowl, I've actually been there. Bill Fung had rolled 33 consecutive strikes. The crowd of fellow league members stopped to watch as on frame 34, Bill Fong gathered his ball, walked up, and rolled another strike. Then he rolled another on frame 35, and the crowd went wild. But something was wrong. Two frames back, Bill had begun, begun sweating profusely and feeling dizzy, but he was just one roll away from history. Bill pulled the ball to his chest, took his usual five steps, and released the ball perfectly. People actually started applauding before the ball reached the pins. That's how perfect the roll was. It curved exactly where it was supposed to, made contact with the pins at precisely the right spot. Pins flew, the crowd cheered, and the number 10 pin wobbled but settled back onto its base, standing. 8.99, one pin short of perfection. Heartbroken, Bill headed home. The dizziness that began on frame 34 had not improved. Bill staggered into his bathroom and threw up. The walls continued to spin. Bill was having a stroke. Already struggling with high blood pressure, the events of that Monday evening turned a delicate situation into a deadly one. But Bill never realized he had suffered a stroke until uh, he had another one later. His doctor found scar tissue and was told about the league night. The only thing that saved Bill on that night of 899, that number 10 pin staying up. Had the last pin fell, Bill's doctor feels certain that his body already in the midst of a stroke would have pushed his blood pressure even higher and that most likely would have killed Bill immediately on lane 28. What felt like the worst thing that could have happened turned out to be the very thing that saved Bill's life. And I think I would agree with the author of that story from D Magazine, the most Amazing bowling story ever told. And Bill's experience got me to thinking tonight about the Lord's Prayer, about our series, 
this prayer where, as we talked about last week, it's a prayer of turning everything over to God, giving my entire life over to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Essentially handing Him the keys to my life. Well, as believers, we can trust in God's good and sovereign plans for our lives, even when we miss that pin, even when we don't think we got things exactly right, even though there, when there's a detail or two we would have changed, that things that don't seem to make sense to us, the disappointments of life, the setbacks, the confusion, the failure. The Lord's Prayer, I think, teaches us there's something bigger going on, a story much larger than the one that we see with our eyes. And the call of the prayer, I think, is more than anything else, it's to trust God and to know that He has a purpose that's bigger than anything we can imagine, anything we can conceive from our very limited perspective. So let's start tonight with the prayer. I'll put it up on the screens, but remember, as we read this, we are, this is a prayer, so we, are, we do have an opening prayer tonight. Um, we're studying a prayer tonight, but here it is. Our prayer tonight, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this evening we turn to this part of the prayer that is certainly the most mundane part, um, the most boring throwaway line, I guess you could say, out of the entire prayer. Not exactly a spiritual request, no uh, great um, mystery going involved, going on perhaps with the phrase, but that phrase Give us this day our daily bread is the simplest of requests. We don't want to overcomplicate it tonight. Just asking God to provide for physical needs, specifically here, to give us food to eat. Give us, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Now there is, I think, a myth, a very common myth that folks have and folks embrace. Maybe they don't even know they're embracing it. Um, but it's the idea that God is concerned with your spiritual life. There are different spheres of life, right? You've got your family over here and maybe your leisure over here and your work over here. Maybe some people carve out a spiritual uh, element over here. Well, that's the zone uh, that God is concerned with. This prayer says, no, no. no God is concerned with every element of your life. But that myth leads people to think, you know, God, the Bible, church, prayer, religion. Some people think, I don't need that. Or some people think, you know, someday I'll get around to that when I get some of my other more basic needs, uh, basic uh, goals fulfilled. And then I might think about that if I have time at some point. Um, you know, I need to take care of my bottom level kind of foundational needs first. And then maybe I can carve out space. Carve out space to think about things like that. Until then, I'll just keep you know, waking up, going to work, paying the bills, and uh, keying in on the stuff I really need to key in on to get by. And that's a myth. And the Lord's Prayer, I mean, Jesus just knocks that myth over because if we're asking God 
give us today our daily bread, then we're recognizing that the real provider of not only spiritual truth, spiritual answers, but also physical provision, bread, um, the real provider is God, is our Father. And so when Jesus prays this prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we meet our Heavenly Father who is concerned and connected with every single aspect of our lives. Every single need that we have is of concern to Him. And if those needs are met, it is because in a very real way God has seen fit to meet those needs. So this is the first phrase, or the first thing, first thing I think we need to appreciate about this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. It's this, a child of God looks to the Father to meet their needs, and maybe you could even say their most basic needs. A child of God looks to the Father to meet their most basic needs. Where does sustenance come from? Where does daily bread come from? What is the source or who is the source? Believers know that though they work, though they get in the car and go to the grocery store, ultimately they eat because God is meeting their needs, because God is providing for them. I saw this the other day. I thought this was kind of... I don't know, kind of funny and kind of sad all at the same time, I guess. I'm glad this is from the UK. Uh, it is a British Nutrition Foundation survey of 27,500 kids between the ages of 5 and 16. And the survey is about their ideas about the origins of the food they eat. And the results were kind of surprising. About a third of kids in the UK think cheese is made from plants. A quarter think, this one's kind of hard to believe, that fish fingers come from chicken or pigs. Um, the survey also revealed confusion, confusion about the source of staples, such as pasta or bread, among younger pupils. About a third of the five to eight-year-olds believing that they are made from meat. 19% of this age group did not realize that potatoes grew underground, with 10% thinking they grew on bushes or trees. Okay, I'm talking about kids here. I'm sure at some point they'll figure this stuff out. Um, but it is a little bit scary and kind of amusing that kids don't know where their food really comes from or even really sometimes what it's actually made of. Um, plant or meat. Um, what's even worse... I think is for grown-ups to not understand and appreciate that the ultimate source of food and every physical thing they enjoy is, is God. He's the source. So it's a good thing, I think Jesus shows us, it's a good thing to ask God for daily bread because it helps us remember that He really is the source. He really is the provider. Beyond that, I think implicit in this very simple request in the middle of this beautiful, profound prayer, give us today our daily bread. I think this simple request shows us that God does not want us to take for granted that we're going to have daily bread. He wants us to ask Him. He wants us to request it. 
Um, as, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, and talking to fathers kind of here, he said, even though you are bad, this is the new century version, even though you are bad, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give good things to those who ask him. A um, little bit of shock value there at the beginning. And Jesus is calling me bad. I don't, I don't feel really great, I guess. But, I'm, but I mean, I guess it's true because the comparison he's making is he's comparing me to the Heavenly Father. And in that kind of comparison, yeah, I'm pretty lousy. I'm <laughs> pretty lousy dad. Um, and that logic is solid, right? Um, if a dad like me, even, even a guy like me, knows how to give his kids good things provide good things for them, how much exponentially more does the Heavenly Father um, know what I need and provide for me? But that's not everything we learn here. Um, The last four words of that verse that we just read about the Heavenly Father giving good gifts, the last four words of verse 11 are these. He gives, quote, to those who ask him those who ask him those who ask him four words that are very important god provides he provides to those who ask him a reminder again just not to take it for granted not to assume that all of our physical needs are going to be met take that for granted no pray for that And ask God to provide what you need. And as we ask, we ask with confidence because He's not just God. Jesus in both of these, in the prayer and in Matthew chapter 7, both of them center around God as our Father, right? God is our Father. He's more than than a God. He's more than a creator. He's more than a deity. He is our Father in heaven. That's how we started the prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. So think about this. We're confident in asking God for provision because not only has He faithfully provided that for us up to this point in life, but we also know He has generously, generously provided everything we could possibly need to thrive. And God, right, God has not spared any expense. I think we can agree on that especially when we see what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And then the question, it's a great question. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul's like, hey, if he didn't spare any, if he gave us his son, he's going to generously take care of everything else that we need. Spiritual needs, physical needs, we're taken care of. So trust in His goodness, trust in His provision for your life, and you can trust Him because He has already provided so much for you and shown you how much He cares and shown you the price that He's willing to pay to make sure that you have access to what you need spiritually and physically. Well, the next thing is this. A child of God Trust that the, the Father will provide for them each day. This is a prayer not for monthly bread or quarterly bread, right? This is a prayer for daily bread. 
And habitually, I come time after time after time repeating this prayer. God, today, this day, give me my daily bread. This day, provide for the needs that I will have. Because the truth is, when I'm praying that over each day, when that's a habit, when that's part of my daily routine, every 24-hour cycle, then I realize how much I need Him. I realize that every day I depend on Him, I rely on Him each and every day. Give me this day my daily bread. Jesus is letting us know, again, this isn't something that we just kind of pray once a year or something like that. This is a daily dependence on the heavenly provider, a daily coming to the source, recognizing that He's the one taking care of us, recognizing that today if I have lunch, I have dinner, Uh, Today, if I have things to eat, a place to sleep, clothes to wear, shelter over my head, it's because He cares, because He's blessing me with the physical things I need the most. Now, what about unbelievers? Doesn't God provide for them? Well, you can find plenty of scriptures on that too. God makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun rises. He provides for people. He loves people. Uh, But when His children come to Him, and show that they understand their reliance and dependence on Him. It brings us into rhythm with His heart and the way we are supposed to live. So, I think there's a really interesting, and I don't know that Jesus was quoting this in the Lord's Prayer. Could be. Sounds kind of similar. But there's an interesting foreshadowing of this part of the Lord's Prayer in the Old Testament. And I think it, it maybe sheds a broader light on this whole idea of asking God to provide for my daily bread... Because when I'm asking for God to provide for my daily bread, I'm asking for God to give me enough. Enough for today. That's how it worked with the manna, right, in the Old Testament. Enough for today. Well, the proverb is this. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9 in the Old Testament. Here's how it goes. Good proverbs here. Give me neither... Poverty, this kind of reminds me of this morning. If you were here this morning, we talked about money problems, which we usually think of as not having enough. Well, again, the Bible tells us there are also money problems when you have too much. Believe it or not. Um, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only what? My daily bread. Otherwise, one side here, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Isn't that great? Isn't that wise? So essentially, I recognize that what I need today is enough. I need enough for today. I need to be provided for. I need enough to take care of my family today. But if I have much more than enough, there is a danger. (laughs) There is a danger. And there is a temptation. What would the temptation be? The temptation would be to say, Who's the Lord? Who needs God anyway? I got this. I'm taking care of things. Got everything I need. What a wise proverb. The danger of both extremes. On the other hand... Lord, if I don't have enough, I might be tempted to do some things to get enough. 
that don't honor you. So daily bread. I like that idea of daily bread, of I need enough today. This recognition that the source, the provider of all that I need is God, and that I need Him to provide this day enough. And then I believe that He'll take care of that. Well, two more things here. Also, when we ask God to give us this day our daily bread, there is a certain understanding, isn't there? And here it is. A child of God knows that the Father has all of the resources needed to cover their needs. I'm not asking a God who's going to turn his pockets out and say, Oop, ran out. Sorry, no more bread. The creator of the universe... The creator of the physical world, the physical universe, stars and planets billions and billions of miles away, the one who created and provides the air that we breathe, he made everything. Right? He made the physical world. Um, he made the animals. He made life. He's the one who created everything. And as the sovereign God of the universe, ultimately, while He entrusts His property into our hands, while I guess you could say in one sense He loans us His stuff for a certain amount of time, ultimately, we're reminded that it all belongs to Him. So finally, and this may be the real challenge <laughs> for us, where we live in 2016, the real challenge for us might be right here out of the Lord's Prayer. A child of God finds joy because they understand the difference between needs and wants. Wants and needs. Luxury and necessity. Bread. <laughs> A most elemental need. Physical sustenance. And so there's a recognition, isn't there, in this prayer. The one physical area Jesus prays for is physical requirements for me to make it to tomorrow. Um, and so there is this understanding. There is a difference between genuine needs and then my wish list over here, right? Um, maybe we're not always great at doing this. It's a prayer for bread, not a BMW, okay? Um, Bread, not bling. So there's this understanding that there are needs and there are wants. And not that wants are a bad thing, okay? But there's an understanding there is a difference um, between the essential and the incidental. And we come to God asking for God to provide what we need. Um, I just think it's good for us to consider this uh, because we do live in a time and a place, and I'm talking very specifically North Dallas, 2016 of almost unparalleled prosperity. So we need, I think, and I I've include, definitely include myself in this, I need the Spirit's wisdom. I need the, the Spirit's help to sort this out and to recognize the difference between what I really need and then this other stuff that I'd like to have over here. In the letter to Christians living in Philippi, Paul talks about this. Philippians 4.19, listen carefully to what he says. 
He says, and my God will meet all your what? (laughs) He'll meet all your needs. That's the promise. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all of your needs. So, let's close out this portion of the service by by going to the one who has provided for us up to this point and who we know will continue to provide enough for our needs to be met, going to him in worship as we stand and sing tonight. Let's be standing.